My name is uh, Chauncey Spencer. I'm an economic empowerment applicant, social equity applicant. And uh, I think I should need to, need to explain exactly what that is. Uh, it's a designation uh, provided to us by the state, yes. But we are actually human beings who've suffered uh, certain uh, injustices. And I, that sounds clinical. That sounds a little clinical. Let me explain to you what happens to us when we grew up. We were chased down, beat, abused, framed. We saw family members. I, I don't even need to, maybe I do need to explain this in detail so everyone gets it. We were terrorized. And now we are trying to be entrepreneurs and come into this space after suffering what we did suffer from. And to have rich folks already operating these dispensaries and, pin, and putting patients against us trying to get into this space is shameful. It is absolutely shameful. They have enough money. Rich people have enough money. I don't know how they're operating their businesses, but it's at a, if it's going to be at a loss when we come into that space, then they need to be out. Because what they are doing is, is profiting off of the backs of these patients. And that's what's exactly happening. Because it doesn't cost that much to cultivate and bring it to the front of the store. It does not. They are robbing these patients blind. So what I'm saying is that we should allow for competition to come into this space. People who do know what they're doing and not trying to rob people. We are trying to be entrepreneurs, not profiteers. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much. Hey, welcome. Mike Crawford here. Welcome to the Young Jerks. Uh, another live Saturday. It's uh, our first one in a while. Last week didn't work out too well, but we got a good podcast out of it. But this week, we're back live in Dig Boston studio. Our Dig Boston studio. Dig Boston is a uh, print publication. Uh, you may have uh, seen some of my, my print writing in the past and their online uh, website as well, digboston.com. We're back recording here. We love it here. Digboston.com. Check them out. Uh, my name is Mike Crawford again, and I am uh, hosting today, of course, like we usually do on Saturdays, a live show, uh, The Young Jerks, Disrupt Boston is our production partner. Uh, we also have a big event coming up Wednesday, July 10th. It'll be our next live broadcast. That's from Wareham, Massachusetts. Uh, it's uh, a big deal. You should definitely check it out. Verilife Wareham. Uh, we're going to be there at 2 p.m. Uh, can't wait. Verilife. Check that out as well. July 10th. Uh, I'm so happy today. I have so much to be happy about. All the all the good news. I can't keep track of it. All the stories that we were involved in this week and last week and the wins. Uh, we're really kind of killing it lately. Young jerks. Uh, I just found out something from the Cannabis Control Commissioner. Uh, something we've been bitching about for a long time. Uh, looks like no more fees for medical cannabis patients at the state level. Wow. Five nothing vote at the Cannabis Control Commission. I've been saying that week after week after week and it happened. And uh, a lot more that we could talk about some other stories from Mass Live. But we got some great guests here, too, and a lot of news to break. Hopefully, hopefully from our callers and our listeners call in today uh, and weigh in on the subject of the day, which definitely is going to be cannabis, uh, the, the cannabis uh, economic empowerment hearings, what's going on in the city of Cambridge. Definitely a big topic. We have a city council candidate here, and we also have another local leader. Uh, someone I've uh, been trying to get on the show for quite a bit. So I'm going to get right to the guests, but you can call in on anything today, 502-501-3477. A 
leave instant feedback. It's all on the table. So much. If, you, if we're missing anything, let us know. Uh, also, we're going to mention that we're going to be back in Haverhill, too, hopefully, uh, supporting uh, an applicant who's a friend of the show, Scott Winters. So stick, stick around for that. Look for, look for some information up in Haverhill, especially if you're someone from Haverhill, because we had uh, a big win in Haverhill a few weeks ago as well uh, related to the show. Uh, so we're going back up there as well to help another applicant up in the city of Haverhill. But let's get to our guests, because it is very warm in here, and we have a lot to get to. Uh, first guest... I'm going to go uh, from closest to me. Uh, he's uh, with the Welcome Project. He, what, what's your title there? Executive? Executive some, Director. That's right. So you're the head head dog over there. Sometimes. Head, head, head guy. Uh, sometimes. And your name's Ben Echeverria? Yes. And tell us what uh, the Welcome Project is real quickly. Uh, so we're a nonprofit. We do immigrant rights in, ed- in education throughout the city. We actually, in Somerville, but we also have people who come to our programs from all over the greater Boston um, area. Um, our largest program is ESL, so we teach most, mostly people to, to to learn English, but we do it in a theme base. So basically, um, as we're discovering more issues are approaching us. So when immigrants started telling us that, you know, my landlord sold the house, the new guy says I have to leave, and, and us talking about renters, right? We decided to teach English while teaching you your rights as a renter. And, you know, we do that with job practices. We do that with know your rights and everything else. Um, same thing with our youth programs. We have a bilingual youth program where we take bilingual kids, we teach them interpretation, and we put them in the community, and it's a way to get them involved. Because when they see actually how messed up community decisions are being made and how it's not being made by the community, they want to get involved. And we're like, well, why aren't you? And we give them the tools to actually get them um, ignited and moving forward. Wow, that's awesome. I like that. I mean, they, they have a tool, too, if they're bilingual. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've always wished... I took French in high school, and I never, I never, you know, I can't say anything in French. But I'm like, man, if I had just done Spanish, maybe, because you know, I, I worked in kitchens after that. I worked in landscaping. Yeah. You know, everyone, uh, a lot of folks that I worked with spoke Spanish. It would have been very helpful. I could have uh, maybe kept a, you know, a second language or a skill, or you know, really picked it up. And uh, I think it's very valuable. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And, you know, it's great for them because they get to keep their native language while still learning and, and practicing English. And um, so so a Welcome Project, where can people find out more information about that? www.welcomeproject.org, all one word, um, .org. And we're in Somerville, 530 Mystic Avenue. You can come by. Awesome. And uh, we're going to talk a lot, a lot more about the immigration if, issue, mm-hmm. obviously, especially on the, what we like to do, local, state level. Yeah. What's, what's actually going on? I know that there's a, a big national debate about it, but we like to focus on the local, and I know that you're totally plugged in. So yeah. if anyone has any questions or any interest in that, uh, you can also send your instant feedback now or, or call in, 502-501-3477. Uh, we also have a city council candidate from the city of Cambridge where there's a big, uh, uh, you know, kind of we, we did two podcasts in the last couple of nights on this issue. Uh, in the city of Cambridge about uh, cannabis uh, economic empowerment. So it's definitely a big issue. It passed uh, the ordinance committee. It's now going to go to uh, city council, uh, date to be announced. Uh, so we're happy to have, uh, again, you know, we, we've been covering Cambridge for years, and uh, I'm a former Cambridge resident. I love Cambridge. So uh, we're going to continue to cover this Cambridge election season and the race, and we're happy to have another candidate, someone who uh, I'm not sure if he's, he's ever run before, but uh, he looks, yeah, no, no. no. First time, yeah. And I want to make sure I say his name right, Javan. 
Jeevan. Jeevan. Yep. Jeevan. Yeah, up. G- no oh, Jeevan. See, yeah. that's what I was missing. I got the G <laughs> right, but I didn't get the, like, Steven. I like Happens that. Jeevan. Jeevan Sabrino Wheeler. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, so, Jeevan, uh, t- tell us, you, you're running for city council. Why uh, in Cambridge? Why did you decide to run for city council your first time? Yeah, I'm running to represent folks who just aren't represented right now in Cambridge. Uh, two-thirds of the city are renters in Cambridge, like they are through a lot of the Boston area, right? Um, but we have hardly any representation on the city council. Eight out of the nine councillors are homeowners. Um, the one who is a renter um, was a homeowner previously, and most of us can't afford to buy a home in Cambridge right now. Right? When I look at the price of even a one-bedroom apartment, it's half a million dollars. Um, and then the other part of it is public transit. Um, the I can take the bus or the subway to get to work or to meetings, and the red line just derailed two weeks ago. Fares are going up 6% even as... These systems just aren't working for us. We're pushing to make buses and subways free by 2025 and to have bus rapid transit uh, to actually fund the T, right? By taxing millionaires more to put that funding into actually making buses and subways effective because that's how most of us get to work. The current city council has free parking behind city hall. But I most know, of us right? Don't, right? How many times have I been at city hall driving around that loop trying to park to testify at city hall and uh, I see all those council spots. And I think that speaks to the urgency of the issue, right? The current city council doesn't have to worry about how bad public transit is because most of them have parking at their homes and then they have parking at their work too. Everybody knows housing affordability is an issue, but if you're a homeowner who bought your house 20, 30 years ago, you're not personally experiencing it. And so you're not bringing the urgency that we need uh, right now. I uh, work at a land policy nonprofit in Cambridge. And then in my spare time, I do tenants rights organizing and other organizing. Oh, tenants rights. Yeah. Tell me about that. My girlfriend used to do a lot of that uh, back, like even you know when they were going through all that whole campaign to you know end rent control Mm -hmm. um tell us like what it's like right now like what what does that involve tenants rights it's been great my um involvement has been with through boston dsa and city life vita urbana uh which is yeah they're based in jp and in east boston they're an amazing organization uh and so we've been working with the tenants union uh in hyde park right now it uh, was bought by a management company. There's two different ones we're working with, one in Hyde Park, uh, one just a little uh, up the ways. Fairlawn is the other one, and the one that we've been working with is called Stony Brook. And it's this area that's becoming more desirable as a new transit line goes in, uh, and so rents are being raised dramatic amounts. And at the same time, though, it's owned by a corporate management company that's based in New York. The family that owns it is actually the same family that was involved in the Nexium scandal, the Bronze Oh, my it's God, this really? Crazy, yeah, really? billionaire family, right? Uh-huh. That owns this, and so there's mold the and Nexium there's flooding. Called, so it's the Brothmans. It's the, the Brothmans. They're also Seagrams, and yep. I don't know. They own some record companies. And, yep, and, and they just own everything. They right? were drug right. dealers, like mm-hmm. in the twenties or something. I don't know. And now <laughs> they own big apartment buildings because, of course, they do. Um, and so the uh, these apartments have you know the heat goes out in the winter. There's flooding, um, and the residents are fighting back, right? They're working together to say, we're not gonna accept these big rent increases when you haven't fixed these problems. Um, we've the ones, are the ones uh, who've fought for uh, this public transit we're saying, and now that it goes in, you're jacking up our rents because other people you know, wanna live there. When, when uh, these places like organize, cause I mean, I hear, I'm on Facebook a lot and you know, I cover certain topics and people always hit me up about whatever's going on in their life, like you know, maybe hoping I could help them somehow. Uh, and I see this a lot about the buildings and, and especially like I'm thinking even some of my friends who are like really hip and like in the media and stuff like uh, I just watched one of them. Uh, he might r- run for mayor, but uh, detention, he always goes against his uh, his landlords. Uh, he, is, he lives in one of these complexes in Lowell. 
we see this all the time and again for cannabis issues where they're just really harsh about so many issues whether it's pets or cannabis or just where you get your mail where you part all this stuff all these issues come up with tenant rights and and not fixing things and all of this uh, when people do get organized like this that you're talking about these two different places where you're working what happens like what is the uh, end result why is it positive like give us examples of real life i guess yeah i think um and there's people who are way more involved with this than me who are doing great work with city life like shout out to them um but they connect folks with pro bono legal aid through groups like h lab the harvard legal aid bureau or or other folks probably the same uh sorts of tenant organizing that that ben does um with folks at the um, the welcome project but um when you're getting an eviction notice Oftentimes, people will just move out because they don't know what their options are. They don't know that they have rights. But if you can connect them, um, City Life has a great model of the sword and the shield. Uh, the shield is, uh, you know, all the legal tools they can bring, all the things you can do to fight and go to the court and fight your eviction and say, like, no, you can't evict me when you haven't fixed all my problems. I haven't paid rent, but I haven't paid it because my apartment is flooding right now, right? That they're legal tools. And then the sword is what we can all do together. We can all organize. We can get the word out to the media. Um, and we can say, like, if you're going to raise all our rent by $100, we're going to negotiate that down. We're not going to let you pick us off one by one. We're going to organize together for what's fair. That's awesome. Because mm-hmm. that's what that's what people are always asking for. Help, especially like civilly in court. Like, that's legal aid. Just somewhat a partner. Mm-hmm. Just, just advice, you know. It's like, I don't know what the heck. I mean, you know, I should know you should fight this, but I, I'm not focused on that kind of law. Yeah, and it's exhausting. Like we just, I live in Cambridge, and you know, my uh, roommates and I work in nonprofits or you know, middle income folks. We just got a rent increase of a hundred dollars a month, and we could try to organize and fight back or something, right? But it's that that it's scary doing it on your own, right? And that's why it's great that there are groups doing this kind of organizing work, so that if you don't have time or you're like a lot of the folks we're working with are Haitian immigrants are you know Spanish is their first language it's hard to even figure out what your rights are let alone you know figure out how you're going to start organizing excellent thank you so much I'll make sure I get it right Jeevan nailed it yeah perfect like Steven Jeevan it's easy it's really easy actually see I make things hard at first I don't know I've just I have a difficult problem with all names even my own name so (laughs) Uh, so a couple things I want to say I don't know if I mentioned this I think I did Uh, my girlfriend uh, has you know I talk about her a lot she uh, started me on this hosting and and doing shows and cast me on my first show some people know her she's been doing shows forever Uh, Bay State Rock with Kamalita on it WAAF she's awesome but uh, she lost a really dear friend recently named Ace Rebner and uh, he was an artist, someone who really supported her for like her whole life. Or, and uh, she's you know, really kind of going through a tough time, but she's decided to start pursuing uh, one of the things she always wanted to do, which is art, uh, which Asa would definitely want her to do. And uh, she just, for the first time, uh, entered a local arts festival, and she was accepted. Uh, we just found out today on her birthday, no doubt. And she was entry number 629. Today's her birthday, again, June 29th. And... Uh, she got accepted. It's pretty cool. So uh, congratulations to her. Uh, I want to talk much more about uh, some of the uh, other things that we were discussing, but we're going to talk about uh, housing and, and uh, definitely immigration, but uh, going back to cannabis, because this is the uh, kind of uh, big deal this week, cannabis economic environment hearings uh, for the ordinances. You're a city council candidate. Have you been following this? A bit, yeah. What do you think about it? I think um, the you know latest... Uh, 
uh, rulings, I think, are uh, one thing. In general, with cannabis in Cambridge, it's the whole question of equity, I think, of it's uh, you know been illegal in Massachusetts and across the nation for so long. And now that it is, it's who's going to have access to it. Um, it's insane to me that there are folks still locked up serving drug sentences, and then there are folks who always uh, are the ones benefiting off of capitalism, who are upper-middle income, white, mostly male, um, that this shouldn't be now that it's legal are the folks uh, that are the ones benefiting off of it. So I, I appreciate that they're in Cambridge taking an equity approach to it and economic empowerment folks uh, approach because it shouldn't be one uh, part of society is criminalized uh, immigrants, people of color for s- selling marijuana illegally. And now that cannabis is legal, a different section. Rich, rich white guys, yep, basically. And, you know, uh, international kind of money now, even it's, it's like Can- Canadian money. Um, it's yeah. So, uh, and I should have, you know, probably laid it out a little more for people that don't know, but I just always assume our audience knows what's going on. They're, uh, they're hip. They know. Uh, we're talking about a two-year ban in Cambridge for existing RMDs, registered medical dispensaries that are already open. Uh, when we legalized uh, for recreational, it allowed uh, more applications and more shops to open, uh, but it also gave a big head start to the existing medical dispensaries because they already have a location. They've already gone through a lot of the process, so they get to basically open first, and they're the ones with all the money, and they're the ones who have sold out to the international companies. So it really leaves out the smaller players, the local players, uh, people that have a skill, micro grower, growers, and especially people of color, especially LBGT, you know, TQ. It, it leaves out uh, marginalized people who have been the most affected by this, and even you know, working class white guys like me. Mm-hmm. You know, this the, we're all the marginalized ones. We're the ones that didn't have enough money to not get in trouble. <laughs> you know what I mean? In a way, because this war on drugs is as gone after working class people it's gone after especially people of color especially black men let's be really honest black men have been the number one and hispanic men i mean that's they're the ones who have had targets they're the ones uh we saw some testimony we played it on our podcast from chauncey spencer i thought was really good uh and he he lays it out exactly what that kind of treatment was and why it's important um but unfortunately another group of people uh wearing medical you know saying they're patients they had patient T-shirts. I'm a patient. I wouldn't have worn that shirt. And the reason I, why I wouldn't have worn that shirt is because the group that was handing out that shirt was uh, dispensaries. And the dispensaries haven't really actually treated us patients that well. And a lot of patients that testified actually did note that. and did note the cost and the fact that they haven't uh, actually stepped up to help uh, low, lower income, no income, uh, people who are homeless. They haven't done that. They've offered 10% off and at a ridiculous, out, outrageous price. The system is, uh, you know, too expensive, too too much burden to even get through as a medical cannabis patient. I've talked about it. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the fees have just gone uh, are going away, anyways. Uh, at least for the state level, uh, there's still a cost to getting a recommendation. But this is the big fight. It's for patients, and it's about small business and 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 people of color. Um, but it's funny how uh, there was a conquer and divide strategy on the RMDs this week. And I really think it did blow up in their face when Dan Adams from the Boston Globe calls you out the way he called them out this week. I want to give props to Boston Globe and Dan Adams on that because uh, his coverage and that story that just came out the week this week in Weed, A plus stuff, A plus on the tweets. Um, it just it's an amazing uh, situation for me to watch and see this happen because we've been calling it out a certain way for a long time, and to see the uh, community. Say we're not taking this crap anymore. We're not going to be fronted uh, by d- 
dispensary money. We're, we're actually patients, and we support equity. We support economic empowerment. We, we trust them, and we want to give it time over big money that's already here. You guys want to give any comment? I'm kind of going on a, on a little rant on this, but I want to make sure I got it out today. Do you know? Ben or? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, and being a person of color, um, you know, we've seen this. I mean, we've seen this for, for, for decades. And, and in fact, most of it, if, if we're looking at even now income mobility, you know, what we're seeing is black and brown people don't have that mobility because the first thing they're looking at are quarries. And when you're looking at quarries, what's on there is usually you got busted because you had a dime bag on you and you did a little bit of time or whatever. So you can't even get jobs. So, the, you know, the whole idea behind these things is really to say those people who have been most impacted should be the people that should be the front runners of this. The problem that I have with the, with the whole situation, though, is the amount of money that you need up front. And, you know, nobody's really talking about that when we talk about empowerment, where, you know, we're still talking about people who still have big pockets or have or have have the possibility of getting people who have big pockets behind them. Um, you know, there are some groups that I think that are doing some trying to do some work around this. You know, I've been talking to a few of the groups that are looking to start up in Somerville. A lot of them talking about, well, we would love to do workshops. We would love to figure out how can we help those that are most um, who've been most impacted by this and figure out how can we leverage what we have to help them start things. Some of the groups are getting it. I think a lot of groups that have an empowerment pieces don't get it. Um, you know, those designations, I think, you know, they jumped a few hoops. They said, we, you know, woohoo, we did this. I think cities like Somerville, Somerville passed something where they're, you know, it's a one for one until there's somebody who, who goes through with an economic empowerment application. None of the medical guys can get one license. So, you know, they they figure that out. I'm glad Cambridge is trying to move forward on this. I think it's important. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, the thing that always it always kills me is, you know, people have been trying to do this for an income for years. They're still they're still cut out of the game. And they're the ones who are the most impacted. They're the, you know, we should we should be talking about expunging records. We should be talking about, you know, letting people go. I mean, there's a whole host of other things we should be doing besides this basic thing. Um, yeah, we're going to take a phone call. We got a call on the line. Uh, that, that's Ben uh, from Somerville. Ben uh, Echeveria. Thank you. Uh, who's on the phone? Mike, it's Grant. How hey, are you doing? What's up? You've been listening, Grant Smith? Yes, I have. I've been enjoying the uh, episode a lot tonight. There's been a lot of good discussion, Mike. And you were um, just quoted in that story we mentioned this week in Weed. You were uh, he he referenced you. I, I can't. Re I wish I had it right in front of me. What did he? Do you know how he referenced you? Because it was like you're you're an all, you're like a rock star or something now. I I feel like this makes me look funny, but I had the article up randomly. He called me a disabled medical marijuana patient who has become a prominent dispensary critic. Yes, that was awesome. A prominent dispensary critic. That's exactly what I loved. That was, you have become a prominent dispensary critic. Thank you for calling, Grant. What do you What do you got for uh, our guests in the conversation today? Well, first, I just want to say thank you to Dan Adams and yourself, Mike. This is an issue you've been covering for years. Dan's really taken up the torch over the past 8 to 12 months, and I thought the article was excellent. My uh, question is for Mr. Sabrino Wheeler, if I got that name right. I know you're running for city council. Yes. And if you were to be elected, would you support uh, the exclusivity period of two years for social uh, equity and economic empowerment applicants? Yeah, I think we'd... Uh have to look at the details more of it. I'll uh, be honest, I've been focused on housing and public transit um, and 
need to dig into the details of the uh, cannabis ordinance more, but anything to improve equity, I think, and to build up the uh, the head start. I think Ben's point was really important of you can put in all sorts of um, regulations that designed to empower people of color, um, to empower working class folks, um, but without that access to capital and the mentorship that goes along with it, um, that's going to be key in helping these businesses get off the ground. Um, I hope that sort of answers part of the question. I think I would. Um, oh, or sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say. So it's interesting you bring that up, and I'm sure Mike can talk more about this as you guys go on, but. Actually, the way the dispensaries tried to provide a compromise in this situation was by way of a proposal that would have created a social equity fund with contributions of 250000 per year from each dispensary over four years. Mm -hmm. But these dispensaries right now are projected, each one, to make $90 million in revenue per year. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were saying that 250000 was a drop in the bucket. Do you have any ideas as to how the city of Cambridge could create an equity fund that isn't dependent on giving these dispensaries co-priority with these uh, economic empowerment applicants? Yeah, the um, the similarity is kind of you see it with housing a lot where um, the developers right now, they're is uh, Alexandria, in exchange for giving a tiny parcel of land for a bike path, is going to get millions of dollars uh, in upzoning rights that they're uh, to be able to build taller buildings, right? Uh, for this one little bike path that they can't do anything with because it's a rail path, uh, they'll then be able to have hu huge taller buildings. It's the it all the, the question of, and I'm not against taller buildings if it's for housing, you know, if it's for affordable housing. The question is, what are we getting? Uh, for the rights we're giving away. And so yeah. whether it's marijuana or whether it's housing, the question is, are we getting as much as we could be? And then also not looking at it of, oh, we need to let these uh, giant housing developers or uh, really capital-backed uh, dispensaries in in order to get the social equity money, right? If it's a priority, we should be finding the money through property taxes, through pilots. We have two billion dollar plus universities in Cambridge and finding the funds we need to help start these businesses and not saying, oh, we need to let the huge guys come in so that the small -er businesses have a chance. That's not the, it doesn't have to be one or the other. What do you think, Grant? Oh, I was shaking my fist right along with you as you were saying that. I'm really grateful for that answer and for you taking the time to let me ask the question, Mike. Uh, let me ask you a question too, Grant, because you're uh, at the center of this now. You're definitely someone who's uh, one of the main organizers, I think, just on who you are because people really do respect you and trust you and know you have integrity on this and that you're really concerned about the patients and the small business owners and the local people. Um, do you think, like, because... Um, you know, Ben brought up the one-to-one. -one. And in and, and Somerville, there's a, you know, you only can have one RMD get it through with, you know, if one equity economic applicant gets through. Um, do you think that maybe that's an idea that should be brought up in the, into the discussion in Cambridge? Or do you think it should be solely uh, on the money situation or just solely saying, you know what, you're out for two years? Like, where, where, what do you think? Well, Firstly, thank you for those kind words, Mike. Coming from you, that means a lot, and it uh, makes me almost tear up a little bit to hear that. Um, but as to your question, absolutely. I think that there's multiple different approaches, and I actually was really interested in what Ben was saying uh, er earlier, because initially, when the Cannabis Control Commission took up their propo proposed priority structure on the state level, there was supposed to be an AB, AB priority with regards uh, RMDs who were co-locating and applying for rec licenses 
and social equity and economic empowerment applicants, and that ended up not happening. So I didn't know about the Somerville program, and I think that's actually a really good idea and perhaps something that should be discussed at that city council meeting in Cambridge next month. Excellent. I thank you. Uh, anything else you want to uh, leave us with or any comment for our guests on even some of the other issues we're going to be discussing, housing or immigration, too? Oh, the the housing issue, I think, is so crucial. Uh, the way that, uh, much like in the marijuana space, monopolized interests can come in and price out regular people is an existential threat to the middle and lower classes. And I think you guys taking time to focus on the issue is really important, and I'm very grateful. Thank you so much, Grant. Thank you. Have a good night, Mike. You too. That's Grant Smith. Uh, he's a medical cannabis patient advocate. His mom's kind of famous, too. Uh, comes from, like, really good family. He's a great guy. He's also uh, went to Boston College, and he runs a group now, uh, Patients for Home uh, Delivery. He's a great guy. He's uh, been part of our show, supporter. He's co-hosted with me at times, too. He's, he's, I love him. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. My name is Mike Crawford. We have a lot on our plate, but we're getting to it all because there's so much we want to bring you here. Uh, we have Jeevan, uh, Sobroni. Sobrini? Sobrino. Sobrino. I screwed it up. Wheeler. And then Echeveria. Yep. I got that right. All right. Look at me. I'm almost close. Uh, and we're talking about housing. We're talking about immigration. Where do you guys want to start? Because you guys are like experts on these issues. What do you want to get into? I'll start with Ben because I feel like sure. Ben is the next. He's got to get some time in here. What do you immigration? Because there's things going on at the local level. Explain to our audience like what's what's going on. What should we know? Yeah, there's a couple different things going on. Um, on the state level, we have a couple different bills. We have the Safe Communities Act, which has come up again. Um, basically, that would that would allow that would basically work where we're no longer working with ICE. Um, one of the big things is is that ICE has this program where people where police departments can join in and they deputize police uh, policemen as ICE agents. And these people can then go and act as ICE agents against undocumented. A lot of people sound, make, believe this sounds great. The problem is, is that, or the main problem is we're doing, we're doing the federal government's job for free. So, you know, why are our police doing the work of the federal government when that's not what we pay them to do and on our dime when, you know, most of us feel like, well, you know, immigration's a broken system. We actually need to be fixing it instead of, you know, worrying about enforcement at this point. Can we pay federal agents not to enforce federal law? Is that like okay now? Too? I so wish that we could. I mean, isn't that what they're doing? Can't we just do the same back to them? I mean... <laughs> I don't think that's called sorry bribe. to interrupt I think you. that's called bribes. And yeah, I mean, it seems like they're bribing <laughs> our, our... They're it, trying, but the thing is, they're not even giving them extra money to do the work, so... It's crazy. Oh, they don't even give them they money. Don't even give them, they don't even they're give them the money. They're just deputizing them, giving them the rights, They give them a the nice money. little badge, and everyone wants to act like they're a big guy, saying, look, I have a little ice badge, and, you know, walk around with it. But um, in reality, you know, they really don't have any power. The other side is, is that cities are held liable, so... If you decide you want to hold somebody because you think that they have a, you know, questionable immigration status and you find, you know, you decide you're going to lock them up and, you know, they're a citizen, you illegally detain somebody and the city's held accountable, not, you know, not, not the federal government. So the whole thing is, is that, you know, we've seen cases where people have sued and, you know, cities have lost lots of money. I mean, we're talking millions and millions of dollars because they want to do the work of the federal government. So it's just, you know, smart, smart politics is why bother with that system? 
Um, so that's one of the big areas where the Safe Community Act is coming in and saying we're not going to enforce, we're not going to do the work of the federal, the federal government. You know, enforcement of these issues is theirs. They are the experts on these things. They should deal with that. Um, another one is it's so that was a, what you mentioned as the Safe Communities. That's Act. called the Safe Communities. Let me ask Act. you another question on that too, because yeah. like Somerville mm-hmm. is, you know, we know where they stand on immigration or Cambridge mm-hmm. even. Do they? Does this happen there? Like, do they have uh, law enforcement getting deputized? No. Right? So or we. So they've made them. Happen? Yeah, they made them. Um, the cities by through policy and through local laws have outlawed that. So that cities practice. and towns can decide, but yes. it's people like Tommy Hodgson or whatever, yep, you know, and the, and the red part of the state of Mass that are doing this kind of. Yeah, thing. Yeah, and you know, and again, these are guys that eventually things catch up to them. Um, every just about every agency that has gone gone through this deputization has had some sort of legal issue so seems like a bad career decision it's a, it's a bad po- policy like, you know, if you're like a police chief and you're like in like some small town it's just like asking for trouble it seems like that's what it seems to me so so you know on the state level we're just trying to get rid of it um you know we also are trying to bring in a new bill um the family and work the family work mobility act which would allow anybody who's a resident of massachusetts to get a driver's license regardless of um citizenship and you know the whole idea is we know people are driving on the roads but right now the way the laws work if you don't have a license you can't get a you can't if you don't have a driver's license you can't get insurance and you know we want people to have insurance i mean accidents is that's why we call them accidents you know they happen and right now we know that you know if somebody undocumented if somebody doesn't have insurance, you get into an accident with the person. What happens is it goes through the uninsured pool, raising all our, you know, all our deductibles. This bill will definitely save us money, put money into everyone's pocket, because now we're going to make sure that all those people, anybody who's on the roads who wants a license would have the right to get a license. And, you know, they would have to follow through with the same things everyone else is. So, you know, you go through the permitting process, you have to go through, you know, through the driver's ed, you have to go through, you know, taking the test, doing all the same things. Um, Then on top of it all, it would open up more uh, for businesses. It would probably open up more, you know, one insurance agencies will make their money. Business um, auto sales will make their money. And, you know, so it's it's good for our economy. It's also good for our pockets because, again, the the more people that are on the roads that have a license, the smaller we pay, the le- the less we pay in the uninsured pool on all our insurance policies. So I like my car insurance to go down. I like mine to go down. Would too. anyone like a car, a car insurance to go down? <laughs> uh, Murphy's raising his hand yeah. over here. He lives in Somerville. I'm sure he gets whacked. If you live in Cambridge or Somerville or Boston especially. Yeah. You get whacked. And that's why a lot of people, too, and this is a double effect, too, because I know from experience, I'm not claiming anything, but I know some people who uh, used to live in Boston or Cambridge or Somerville that still, uh, when they were young, still uh, pretended they lived at mom and dad's house in the suburbs to get cheaper car insurance. insurance, And that affects voting, that affects taxes, that affects everything. Like, it's just, and especially in a place like Boston, Somerville, Cambridge, where you have a large young population without kids, students grad students even you know just the hotel workers and the you know restaurant workers and the musicians this is a young area it's vibrant with young people and they're mostly a lot of them are newcomers sometimes they're from upstate new york and sometimes they're from uh, north of boston you never i mean you know they can claim other addresses and they often do because of that issue yeah no i mean it's you know that's one of the big issues is uh, the uninsured rate um, in Massachusetts is extremely high and you know that's one of the bigger parts of what you pay and the more people we can get with driver's licenses 
the better it is for all of us, the better it is, you know, I mean, and the thing is, is that, you know, we know for a fact that, you know, these communities want it. It's funny. Uh, we'll take that call. We got another call coming in, but it's funny. I know I, I'll, if I listen to right wing radio or Jeff Cooner, which, you know, most people are familiar with around here. If you listen to a lot <laughs> of talk radio in the car, these guys want to give the illegals licenses. They're crazy. I mean, it's just, but when you break it down, the reasoning, it's like, well, I, I, I don't know why anyone would actually be against this. Yeah, I'm not sure why either. We'll take the call. Who's on the line? What's going on, Mike? This is Brett. Oh, is this Brett? Yes. What's going on, brother? Oh, not much. We've got a bad connect, but you're sounding better now. I'll probably move over to the house. <laughs> yeah, it's, still, it's, it's a little breakup. You have a big event coming up this uh, next week, right? <laughs> yeah, this isn't working, unfortunately. Maybe Terrible tr- service? Yeah, and then you come through. <laughs> yeah, how about now? Is it coming through? Yes, it is. Uh, this, yeah, we have Treptown Throwdown, July 6th, Spencer Fairgrounds, 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. Tell us all about it. You sound good right now. Tell us everything about yeah, it. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. We've got a lot of vendors, a lot of good food, amazing music. We've got the movement playing. We've got K-Bong coming out playing. Uh, we've got a lot of good superstars uh, from the West Coast, the Beard Brothers, my brother Jerry Krecky's coming out, Nicotee, Super Hash Legends coming out. There's just a lot of, lot of good times. So we have a full medicated area, and it's uh the Cannabis Awards, too. So it's the first town-approved uh, uh, Cannabis Awards Festival in Massachusetts. So it's kind of pretty pretty fun. And this is know? next weekend at Spencer, Mass? Yeah, Spencer, Massachusetts. Spencer Fairgrounds, 12 p.m. to 10 p.m. And uh, everybody can all have a great time. That's all. And where do, where do people get tickets for that right now? Terp Town Throwdown. Yeah, com. You can get the link there. You can buy tickets right at the door. And and people uh, are always wondering at these festivals about law enforcement and uh, you know how strict it will be. Any advice? On that? I mean, we just follow the. I mean, it's just like the you know, you just gotta like all these events. You just gotta follow the cannabis laws. It seems like all these big event cannabis events, nobody's really the cops aren't bombing it. We don't. We're not having booze, and this is a twenty-one plus event. So there's no high school kids running around. There's no kids anywhere. So it's gonna be a fun time for everybody. Do people need to bring ID? Is that a part of that, too? or uh, that... Definitely bring an ID to just get inside the event. Uh, if you have a medicated card, definitely bring a medicated card so you can go back in the medicated area. And uh, that's going to be really fun. So definitely come out, uh, meet some good people, and uh, listen to some great music. It's only 35 bucks for t- uh, 10 hours. That's so, awesome. And this is uh, yeah. a couple days, right? How many days is this? Uh, it's just one day. It's one July day. 6th. It's going to be an annual event. So, uh, But after this year, it's going to be a two-day event. But so, right now, we're just pushing for this. And then, uh, that's cool. So that's like the main day. I mean, that Saturday. Saturday, July yeah, 6th. Yeah, Saturday's, Saturday's the day. Uh, like I said, I like a that lot better. of vendors. Some people yeah, like the two or three food. day festivals. I like one day because then you don't miss anything. Like if you go, like I never, I'm not, I would never go to a three day thing. Yeah, <laughs> and you got to pick tough, a day. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and you always feel like if you pick the pick a certain day, you're going to miss it. It's kind of cool that it's yeah. just one day. Everybody's coming up. I mean, like I said, we have a lot of people flying in for this, so uh, this is really going to be a fun festival. So. A way to get people get tickets. You come. Turp down, throw down. Turp down, throw down dot com, or you can come right at the gate and buy a ticket right there. Awesome, and you'll be there, yeah. Greenleaf Magazine, right? Yeah. 
would be if you want to become a vendor, uh, come on down. Uh, you can get you can go on greenleafconcessions.com, email us, um, or just come right to the booth. Uh, that area you can get a. Uh, we'll have a, enough area for tables uh, to get a booth that day if you need a space. Awesome. Good luck. So with we it. also have Danny. Dan- hey, we have Danny Dankel coming up doing his spray painting. Uh, doing all big old. We have a big giant live spray painting uh, area in the back too, so it's going to be pretty cool. So there's a lot of things for everybody to come out, uh, and hopefully you're out there too, Mike. I really appreciate it. And, uh, love to see you. Thank you, and uh, that's awesome. You got Danny Danko from High Times coming, and uh, it sounds like a, it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I'm telling you, you'd be shocked he's coming out. Everybody is coming. Right. So, and I've reached out to a lot of people, and uh, it's going to be fun. You know, and the place is enormous. And like I said, we it's the music is amazing. We have the big giant TV screens on the sides. Um, it's going to be an epic event. Awesome. Something that you'll always remember. Thank you for calling, and thank you for uh, everything you're doing, and and good luck. Let me ask you one last question. Uh, the Cannabis Control Commission this week was talking about licensing of events like yours. Um, if if they go forward with that single day single event licensing, would you is that something you 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 would would have applied? Definitely, for? we'll be right on it, right on it. Yeah, and I have something else working and, and working on too that you guys might like. But I'm going to keep that under the wraps. But it's something that you really might like in another couple months, and uh, especially you, Mike. All right, keep us posted. Thank you, hey, Brett. Definitely, Mike. I appreciate everything you do, brother. Always will support you. You too. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for calling. That was uh, Brett from Greenleaf Magazine. He's running this big event this weekend, Turp Down Throwdown, next weekend, next Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a big bash. Spencer Fairgrounds, Saturday, July 6th. Uh, it's like, what, all day, 10 p.m. to 8 p.m., he said? It's, it's a major cannabis event. Uh, so it's pretty cool to have him call in. Friend of the show. Uh, you can also call in 502-501-3477. It's getting warm in here, guys. Are you warm? This is what warm. I deal with every week now. <laughs> we need to get like the personal AC in here, right, Murphy? Yeah. We we got money now. We can do it. We can do it. whatever we want, right, Murph? <laughs> we'll, we want like, uh, well, we could talk about like all kinds of things we can get now. We're celebrating over here, too. Yeah. Uh, Murph, like what time is it? Because I don't even know. Like, is, are we running over? We got 15, 20 minutes. Good. So we got more time. Um, uh, are you guys okay? You're not going to pass yeah, out or anything? Good. You're talking here? All right. Perfect. Uh, so we're talking about Immigration Safe Communities Act. And you had another, uh, the one for the licenses. What's working, that called? Working Family Mobility Working Act. Family and Mobility Act. Who's sponsoring that? Like, where is that? Like right That now? one is uh, Farlane Bouvier and Christine Barber from mm-hmm. Somerville. We like and, that. And um, then Crichton on the, on the Senate from Lynn. Awesome. And so people should be contacting your reps and saying, vote yeah, for people should really go out and, you know, it's again, it's a, it's really, you know, I say this is that at the end of the day, it's about a way of putting more money in your pocket and keeping it there. So, you know, you should be calling your reps, telling them this is this is a, a straightforward thing. Let's get this done. Awesome. And uh, we also have uh, the city council candidate for Cambridge, Cambridge City Council. When is the election? November 5th. November 5th. So that that's the final election. Is that how it goes? Yeah. One shot, right? There's no primaries in Cambridge. Ranked choice council. voting. Yep. yep. Everybody just comes in. Uh, they're all at large in Cambridge, too. There's no districts. You just come in and... And rank them first. Your number one vote is the most important, so that's the one we're asking for. Uh, it's the number one vote. And uh, if you've already got somebody you love, you know, two or three is good. But we really just need 1,500, 2,000 number one votes. They'll get us on there. It's very competitive. And I should know this because I lived in Cambridge for a number of years. And uh, I just want to make sure because, you, you know, I screw things up. 
even things I know. Like it's weird. I think it's maybe Alzheimer's on the air. It's a confusing system. <laughs> I mean, ranked choice voting, even ranked choice is right? awesome though. It's I mean, great. It's, yeah, I like Cambridge because it's like you said, citywide. Uh, which is good for our show, by the way. <laughs> it just makes it easy, you know what I mean? It's like none of this neighborhood stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also just like the fact that, like, how competitive it is. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many candidates every year, mm-hmm. and it's just not many votes to make a dis- difference. It's like, you know, usually five or six candidates that, that were, like, within 100 votes of getting in and, or being out. It's like, wow. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah and I think it's ranked choice voting that, that really kind of helps, you know? Yeah, and our biggest thing is uh, there's nine candidates on the council, uh, two-thirds of the city is renters. Why don't we have two-thirds of the city uh, council as renters, right? 60% of the population in Cambridge is between 18 and 40, but we have only one councillor who's in there, right? Why aren't we represented right now? And if we have even 1,000, 2,000 more people who usually turn out, that's the ball game. there. Can right? I ask how old you are since you said 18 to 40? Yeah, I'm 27, so I'm oh, you know, wow. in the middle of a demographic. So that, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, See, I, I, I agree. Like, I'm, I'm just outside of that age. You know, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but... I feel like Gen X and younger, like we need more representation. Mm-hmm. And that includes, you know, anyone that is, you know, I'm, I'm loving it. I think it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's one of the things we're starting to see, like nationally too and locally. I mean, just the movement right now and people of color. And I think it's a new time for new ideas, definitely. We, we have a, a, a experience of growing up that is so unlike uh, people that came before us, including the baby boomers. Like we think the baby boomers are so hip and cool, but they didn't grow up under the drug war like we did. They didn't grow up under zero tolerance rules. They didn't grow up with a lot of the things, you know. And I, I think they also grew up in a uh, better economy too. Like they, a lot of them got really lucky with when they bought their properties and when they got married and all of that. And I think that we're in a totally different situation. So um, let's just remember what a high school education, our parents' generation could buy a house. The baby boomers can buy houses with just a high school education and and one salary. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was a high school education. He was an alcoholic too. Uh, bought a house, you know, no college degree, yep. and uh, you know, for a long time, I don't, I'm not sure that the wife worked. Eventually, she did, you know, as times changed, and she got, she was an RN as well. But you could do it on one income back then. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Now you got two doctors working, two young professional doctors who have so much student debt that they can't even afford a house. Never mind, like uh, folks who are less down the ladder yep. educationally. When, true. when my mom went to college, she would just show up on the first day of class and write a check for the semester's tuition, right? $500, something right there. I'm still paying off thousands of dollars of student loans, as are most people in Cambridge and Boston, right? It, it's changed so dramatically that most of us can't buy houses or, you know, price out of the area. And I think that's something even, like, you know, when I say Gen X, I think we even miss that, yep. the college part. Because I, I saw that as a financial advisor when I was sitting down with people, the debt that they had. And I realized, wow, I, I got in right at the right time because, you know, the, the prices had gone up, but you could still, you know, I, I worked uh, a lot, like all year round to pay, pay that tuition, and, but my parents still did kick in some, thank God. But uh, there's no way a kid can work his way through college anymore. It's impossible. It's like, impossible. there's no way. Like, and so many of, you know, generations before us did just that. They, they paid it off themselves or... You know, mom and dad might kick in a little bit every once in a while, but that's just not, you have to have loans or you have to have a rich daddy or, you know, it's just out of control. And usually that entails, like you said, lifetimes of debt and the debt is a mortgage before you even get a mortgage. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you I, should only have one mortgage in your life. Like, And I think that ties into some of the other housing stuff, if I can talk about it, if it's okay. The, 
what we're pushing for is to decommodify housing in Cambridge. Um, and what that means is that housing should be primarily a place to live in and not a place to uh, invest. Right. Yeah. Not a place to make profit off. People are going to keep buying a house and, uh, you know, making money off it. But there are folks who that's their only goal with housing. There was a story out uh, in the Boston Globe, you know, a couple months ago about a house in Needham that was bought by a family uh, who was trying to get their kid into Harvard and then they gave it to the fencing coach way oh, under. Yeah. He kept it for a couple of years, sold it. The whole time, what's that house not doing? It's not being lived in, right? I don't think it's a crazy idea that houses should primarily be a place to live in and that we should have a vacancy tax if you're not living in the house. We should have a Cambridge Community Land Trust, which is something they're starting in Somerville. Can, can, can uh, uh, say that again? Com, uh, Cambridge Community Land Trust. So this okay. is Land something Trust. they have one in uh, in Boston, Dudley Square Neighborhood Initiative. There's a Chinatown, CLT. And in Somerville, uh, J.T. Scott, Ben Ewan Campen are starting, have helped start up a Community Land Trust there. It's a, uh, a nonprofit where you can buy an apartment, you can buy a house, you can build equity, especially for folks who've you know been locked out of the housing market for a long time, uh, working class people, communities of color through redlining. But then when you sell it, there's a requirement that it remains permanently affordable because the land is owned by the community. And so what you don't have is developers, people coming in, buying a house for $200,000, making a couple of twitching, it. exactly, selling it for a million dollars two years later. Um, and that's part of decommodifying housing, right? Um, Another thing is right of first refusal, where if your landlord wants to sell the building you live in, you have the option to buy it first for the, the fair market price. And even if you can't, because I couldn't pull together a half a million dollars tomorrow with my roommates, um, you could donate that right to a nonprofit who could then buy it and make it permanently affordable. Um, and just the tie into why we don't have all these policies, and which include rent control. Um, what about rent control? Where are you at on that? Bring it back, right? The, I think if folks have strong opinions about rent control, both for it and against it. The folks who are against it remember how it worked 20 years ago and, oh, the mayor was living in rent control or whatever the story is. But the, the question is now, what is the maximum rent increase that I could get, you could get, any of us can get? There is no max rent increase, right? Your landlord could give you 10%, 20%. And that's what we, it's 100%, right? That you can do whatever the they want, really. Because there is no cap. There's no reasonable rent increase, even for folks with disabilities, even for senior citizens. Like, there should be a reasonable cap. Oregon just passed the citywide one at 7%. Even 7% is high, right, right. for a rent increase. Um, and this is what we're seeing with the tenants I work with. So rent control is definitely part of it. And why don't we have these, like, common sense policies already? And it's because it's still too hard for folks to vote in city council elections in Cambridge. A good year is 20% turnout right? yeah. for presidential and con congressional. It's a little harder, but for renters and for folks, it's on a Tuesday. There's no early voting for city council elections. The voter registration deadline is still a month before the election for students, for people who just moved there, for people who don't know English. That's a long time before. When is that on October? Yeah, it's October, 20 days so. before the election. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it's um, in Maine. They have same day voter registration where you can show up. You can register the same day. And I was talking with a city councilor from Vancouver in Canada. They have elections on a Saturday. Like that would be crazy, right? Like why don't we have early voting? Why uh, can't you vote before just the election day itself and not make it out on a random Tuesday if you have kids, um, if you're working two jobs? And we need to make it easier to participate in city government. We need to have childcare at city council meetings. All of this uh, seems very common sense to me, but the current city council isn't representative of the kinds of folks who we need to be turning out. Awesome. Uh, we, we're speaking to a candidate for city council in Cambridge, uh, Jeevan Sabrino Wheeler. We also have Ben Echeverria, who is also here with the Welcome Project from Somerville, Mass. Two awesome guests. You guys have been dropping a lot of knowledge. I want to go back to the city council, uh, Cambridge, especially housing. Uh, we've had uh, the mayor of Cambridge in. We've also had uh, Quinton in. So we had uh, two, two different uh, 
elected officials and Ben Simon, who's also seeking the office. One of the big issues that's come up is uh, developer money. Uh, the pledge not to take it. Quinton took the pledge. Ben has taken the pledge. Uh, Mayor McGovern really hasn't, but he says he's not taking it, but it looks like he has taken it. Where are you on taking developer money? We're not taking a dime of developer money. Um, and the easy way to find out if candidates are is to go to OCPF, uh, the Office of Campaign and Political Finance, and just look at who's donated in the past and see how many people uh, have developer as their title or a lawyer for a developer. Um, and the reason we're not taking it is that demographic housing, right? The folks who can write $1,000 checks as the developers, they're expecting something for that in return. They're expecting zoning returns. They're expecting you to not make a big deal when uh, a whole block gets evicted, um, when the tenants like the ones we're working with, uh, where their apartment complex gets bought and the rents get jacked up. And I don't want that conflict of interest. That, um, it's a cut and dry thing. There are plenty of other folks to take money from, and developers don't have to be one of them. Excellent. Um, wh where are you on uh, eminent doma domain uh, in certain situations? Like, I don't know if you're familiar with the EMF building. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where we used to do our show, where we started, uh, you know, broadcasting uh, with this, you know, the first network we were with, WEMF, the Young Jerks was on there. And we all got displaced. A bunch of artists uh, got displaced from that building. Um, city tried to help, but, you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, artists feel like the city didn't go far enough. And that they should have tried to go on with M eminent domain and taken that building over or, or at least stopped him from redeveloping it, uh, this landlord that took over the property. Uh, what do you think about eminent domain and what do you think about that situation? Like, what would you have been pushing for? Uh, yeah, I think it's our EMF was one of the last affordable artist spaces in Cambridge. Um, uh, and that it should have been something we looked at right, right now. The council, it's they see it as a, uh, or the government often sees that as a, like a nuclear option, right? We can't just take over public land. Another place where it is, uh, should be thought about is Jerry's Pond. It's this uh, pond in North Cambridge right next to um, Ringe Towers, which is the largest public housing complex in the city. Right across from it is a, a pond full of asbestos that there is a big fence around and no one can go into it. Uh, and if this were near Harvard Square, you know, in the middle of Cambridge, something would have been done by now. But because it's right next to a public housing project full of immigrants and people of color, like nobody bats an eye. Um, and people, if you've ever you know, walked by Alewife, driven by it, you've gone right past this pond and probably not noticed um, because we're not making a big deal about it. I have walked by that pond many times. Yeah. I wonder what, like, what, tell me more about that. Like, why, why isn't... I like, remember when it was a jack-in-the-box. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> so up until um, the 60s, uh, not that long ago, it was a public swimming hole for, and it was the time when that neighborhood was um, mostly middle-class white folks. Um, and it was called the... Uh, it was Cape Cod for people who couldn't go make it out to Cape Cod, right? It was a place to go cool off in the summer. Uh, and now it's owned by a private company, private um, asset company that was the same uh, company that was WR Grace, like that whole uh, fiasco. And they, the city was trying to get an EPA permit to explore how much asbestos there was and how much it would uh, take to get it cleaned up. And they just weren't interested. They had to sign off because they own the land, right? There was nothing the city could do without their signature and they just didn't have an interest. And the city has you know looked at thing improvements going around which are important but we should be pushing harder right we need a, a more activist organized city council for things uh and eminent domain could be part of it in that thing that situation and what about uh raising uh number one like it, the, the affordable units that buildings you know are required to set aside 
Would you be, uh, I mean, they have raised it recently in Cambridge. Cambridge seems like to be the leader on that. Would you raise it even higher, or do you think it's kind of good where it's at right now? Yeah, I think it could go higher. Um, the question about it, too, if sometimes people talk about inclusionary zoning, which is at 20% affordable right now, yes. as the only solution. And what that requires is it's 20% of what? It's 20% of luxury units, and you're just not going to convince luxury developers to solve the problem for you. You can raise that as high as you want. They're not going to build your way out of the affordable housing uh, crisis. We need to be building good social public housing right yeah. we need to be making that ourselves and not relying on private developers excellent so both bo so you you want uh, public housing too which i think is important yeah. more housing uh who's on the phone hi this is joe gilmore hey joe what's up man hey what's up guys um i i'm, I'm driving right now i, I mean I'm, I'm pulled over right now so i'm, I'm not tuned in to exactly where we are in the conversation but i just wanted to uh uh command what i hear so far coming out of uh jeevan uh, the uh, candidate for city council um uh, I, I really like that you're doing, uh, you know, nonprofit work around accessibility and, um, you know, tra and it just helping people receive information about uh, housing. Um, I, myself with MRCC, what we're trying to do is the same thing with the cannabis industry and just promote transparency and resources in, in that way and, uh, you know, just make it accessible for people. So I really commend uh, the work that you're doing and I, and I appreciate your support for the uh, equity amendment. Thank you. I appreciate it. I uh, hope you're in Cambridge. Hope and count on your number one vote. And feel free to reach out if you have um, more expertise on the cannabis that you could share. Awesome. Uh, where? Uh, just I'm curious. Where were you guys in the discussion? Because I am going to tune back in after this. Uh, we 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 talked quite a bit about it. We had uh, really uh, Grant called in and really nailed it. He really did. Um, but yeah, we've talked a lot about it. I mean, one of the things that uh, Ben, another guest here, brought up is that in Somerville, it's the one to one. Yes. So what about that? Like, what about uh, saying, you know what, you can get in if it's one to one and you give a crap load of money so that we just, right. well, well, you know, don't let three the of them in. The problem that I see with, uh, with the one to one is um, if we started out at the one at a one to one the way it is right now, it's, we're already at a disadvantage because, you know, the RMBs are all going to have um, their, their first shot. Um, so in, in Boston, we're going through a similar situation. Uh, we're proposing a two to one ratio. Uh, Kim Janey uh, uh, two social equity and one general applicant, um, but we're getting a lot of pushback from the rest of the city councilors. So, and as a negotiation tactic, uh, one thing that she's considering is uh, you know allowing the first like 20 or so uh, applicants be all social equity applicants, so that we balance out uh, the number of RMDs and social equities, and then we go one to one. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I love it. that's what I like. I like to come up with all different ideas because. I mean, unless they want to give us 50%, I mean, for two years, and they stay out for two years. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's crazy. It costs a million dollars to open up, so what is 250K going to do? Uh, right. It's true. So. I, I want to thank yeah. you, Joe, because uh, you, you've led this campaign. You, you've done so much uh, good work that the RMDs or whoever it was was printed out uh, tech crap uh, yeah. against you, putting out flyers against you. Expected it. It's all good. Um, I just want uh, you know people to be engaged and um, know you know know their rights. And uh, one thing I just wanted to to touch up on uh, or, or, or get make sure I got out uh, on the show is uh, Grant did like an amazing job organizing and get, getting people out um, to the Cambridge hearing. But uh, what we want to do and what we have been uh, putting together as an event is a testimony prep training for the upcoming CCC public comment. Uh, sessions that are happening in July uh, around the new draft regulations. So um, as you could tell, uh, uh, Grant's testimony was really amazing and 
we are going to be uh, putting in a presentation in a workshop, for the, a free workshop for the community to just help people uh, structure their testimonies and understand where we are at in policy and um, how they can use their voice to implement uh, or uh, influence the new regulations. And that's in the evening, too. I know uh, Grant had uh, mentioned in one of our past podcasts recently. What, what, what is the date and time on that? That's July 18th uh, from 6 to 9 p.m., uh, 100 Gibson Street in Dorchester. It's a free event, and it will be free food provided. Awesome. I hope uh, a lot of people show up and definitely testify because, you know, uh, one of the comments I've been, you know, we've been all sharing commentary on Facebook, and Shaleen Title mentioned uh, how the testimony has changed things recently. Like, she actually mentioned Grant's testimony on getting this yes. this this fee wave that I'm so excited about because I've been sitting here complaining about it for months on my show, but Grant actually went out and testified and helped get it removed. Yeah. Like that's the crap that makes a difference is showing up and actually because you know Shaleen can know it, I can know it, uh, Joe can know it, we can all know it on Facebook. But if those four cannabis control commissioners that are pretty much against us on everything don't hear it. What right, good absolutely. is it? It needs to be by as many people as possible because I can testify about something a hundred times. Right. And the commission can hear that a hundred times, but if they hear it from a hundred different people, the same thing, that's a lot more powerful. So um, just focusing on outreach and education is, is key for sure. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. I'm with you 100%. Uh, tell them to back up the truck in Cambridge. That's what yes. I was. Back up the truck. If they want, if they want to try to pay off uh, economic empowerment, they got to like offer a lot more than they're offering. Absolutely. You know, um, let's do it. Uh, thank you so much for the time, and uh, I really appreciate the show. This is, this is great information, and uh, keep it going. Thank you, Joe. Where can people find out more information about you before you leave? Uh, at MA Consumers on Facebook and Instagram, or like I said in that uh, little paper, uh, Joey Got a Gram. Joey Got a Gram. You're, you're famous now. You've been famous for a while, but this even made you more famous. I want to thank those scumbags for putting out a, a promo of you this week. I want to get a copy of that signed by you. <laughs> right, Frame, it up. Frame it up on my wall. All right, guys. Thank you, Joey. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye now. We gave him an award earlier this year, too. Uh, what, what was it? Advocate of the Year? And now he's getting other awards from opposition who are trying to make him look <laughs> like a bad guy, and it's like the best stuff. It's so awesome. It's so funny. It is. They look like jackasses. They really did. Like these money guys come in and they think they're going to shove it through with all their money. And it's like the more you spend on this, the more you look like jackasses because we all see it now. Well, the more you spend on it, I think the more people start to realize what's up with this. Why yeah. is all, this, all this money, money coming, coming from? from? And more and more people are catching on to that. Who's on Hello? the phone now? Hi, this is... Uh this is Christian Palmero. I'm chapter president of Students for Sensible Drug Policy at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. Thank you, Christian. What's up, man? Tell us uh, what you Hi. think. Uh, so I, I, I'm as well. I actually am finishing up an event in Canton, I believe. Uh, Charlton, I'm sorry. And uh, uh, Canton. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to just, I, I, I didn't. Uh, tune in to uh, the video. Uh, I just got uh, an alert that you know you guys were on, um, and I appreciate you guys talking about the discussion that happened at Cambridge City uh, Hall, uh, and and want to show support uh, to the council member that is supporting the social equity. My apologies for not knowing your name, uh, but I just wanted to call in and tell uh, any student listeners that are listening 
check out Students for Sensible Drug Policy at University of Massachusetts Boston. Um, we're going to be attending MRCC's event uh, to to craft our testimonial, uh, so the state agency uh, CCC could actually listen in to not only the community members but the student body, and to show that the student members do have a voice in this uh, uh, robust uh, industry. Thank you, thank you, Christian. I'm glad uh, you called yeah. in. We just heard from Joe Gilmore too, so he's the one oh, who started your, oh, your really? oh, nice, nice. Uh, and I also did want to mention that uh, the student in our chapter, Students uh, for Sensible Drug Policy, is going to be putting on an event uh, about the social equity program, just explaining briefly about it, um, and we're just going to tell the Oh, we just and just giving further explanations on uh, just clarifying any type of questions and helping people uh, uh, apply for the program. Where's that event? You said you were holding an event, then you kind of dropped off and you came back. Sorry, yeah, uh, we're hosting an event um, in um, in a venue uh, and in Chinatown. We're going to be serving the distributing the address uh, this week. It's going to be July 9th from six to eight. Perfect. Thank yeah. you, Christian. Yeah, Christian, I'd love to connect with students for a sensible drug policy at some point. Um, and thanks for the sort of praise. Um, if you find me on um, emails, jeevan at votejeevan.com, or if you find me on Twitter and send me a DM, uh, it's votejeevan. Would love to connect at some point. Okay, awesome. I'd love to uh, reach out to you. Definitely will send you something by the end of this weekend. Then. And, and Jeevan is J I V A N. Thank you. Yeah, I have to. I V A N. Okay, thank you very much for that. Perfect. Thank you so much, right. Christian, for calling in. We're glad uh, I to, have, to have your uh, have your calls. Definitely. Yeah, we're just you know doing the best we can as a student body and just showing the student student body that you don't only have to um, just take classes and just do extracurricular activities. You can actually start building your future career path as a student, as an activist. That's right. So that's all we're trying to do. Disperse the education and the information. Empower, empower, educate, and elevate. I love UMass Boston, and I love SSDP, so I love you twice as much. That's awesome. I can't wait to see you. We're doing a lot of things this upcoming fall. Uh, we'll, I'll be sending you folks some invitations, and we'd love to see you coming over there. Thank you so much, Christian. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. And uh, we'll, hopefully we'll see you in Cambridge too. I'm, I'm hoping to be at that next city council hearing. Perfect. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. Telephone number 502-501-3477. It's getting hot in here though. And uh, yeah, we got about two minutes left. Uh, you guys, what? anything you want to leave us with? Because, you know, callers have been calling. We've gotten a lot of good calls today. And what do you got? Yeah, I've, I've been talking a lot. I definitely want to give Ben a chance. But I think it's all of the policies we're talking about, whether it's drug policy, whether it's transit, whether it's housing, comes from the fact that our city governments, especially a lot of the time, aren't representative of us uh, right now. They're not renters. They're not people who depend on public transit. They're not younger folks. Um, we need more people of color. If we can push for those things and uh, push back against this sort of dominant capitalist mindset that um, everything has to be commodified, healthcare, housing, education, we can change all these things so that they work for the majority of us because we are the vast majority of folks. So let's work together to change it. Thank you. 
And I want to say thank you uh, for giving me some time today. I think it's important. Um, you know, we talked a lot about a bunch of different issues that both affect the immigrants in a lot of different ways. Um, one of the big things that, that I did want to say is, you know, at the end of the day, we make change. And so many times, you know, I think we, we always think things are out of our hands. And the first steps is getting people elected, but, you know, then holding people accountable. So I think it's important that we make sure that we're always holding people to that line that we expect them and that they, if they're going to be our representatives, that means they have our best interests, not the big money guys. Thank you so much for doing what you do. How long have you been with the Welcome Project? 13 years now. 13. And it, I mean, this must be, does it feel like there's a greater need now or back 13 years ago? It's, I think it's on the federal level, it's it's um, a greater need now, but sort of on the local level, I feel like, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be. Really? Yeah. And you think that's because of the state leaders or because of like organizations like yours or what is that? I think it's a combination of organizations like mine, but also people in themselves. I think they're starting to realize that there there's more commonality than, um, you know, than, than differences. So I think more and more people are starting to get that idea that, you know, we all just want to make a better living for ourselves. Awesome. I, I want to tell you both too, like uh, you guys are awesome today. <laughs> Thank you so much. And if you have anything like you, you want to ever share with us or promote, you know, get the word out, let us know. We're always ready uh, because, you know, that we count on, on folks like you. I mean, that's the bottom line. You guys are doing the work. I can tell uh, you shared a lot of good information. Again, I want to say the names correctly. Ajeevan, Sabr uh, Sabrino, Wheeler. Perfect. Yeah, you can find us. Uh, Votejeevan.com is the website. Votejeevan.com. Yep. VoteJeevan.com? J-I-V-A-N, as uh, Mike reminded folks. Yeah, VoteJeevan.com. And you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, uh, at VoteJeevan, uh, and then we have a Facebook page as well. Perfect. And uh, again, Ben Echeverria uh, with the Welcome Project. Where can people find you again? WelcomeProject.org, W-E-L-C-O-M-E-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.org. And uh, a lot of resources through the Welcome Project, too, and, and activities and advocacy and uh, fellowship there, too, right? Yep. We, you can be... Come find us. We'll be more than glad to uh, find a way for you to be involved. Awesome. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. I want to thank everyone uh, for calling in today. I think I lost track of the calls, but I know Christian and Grant and Joseph called in. Owen oh, Brett uh, Kogel uh, from Greenleaf Magazine, uh, Turptown Throwdown. Uh, next weekend, we, we always get like the, the people who are like really doing stuff, calling in. Like That's our audience. The, that's uh, who checks this show out. Uh, it's people who are leaders in their own right which i really like i like the quality of our audience some shows like uh, kirk minahane always talk about their how big their audience is and it's like well they don't do as half as much as like the five guys who just called in today <laughs> like it's about quality not quantity a lot of times boys but uh we're the young jerks and uh we're here every saturday almost but next saturday we are taking off for the long holiday weekend i got uh family stuff but we're coming back uh wednesday july 10th it's a special episode, 2 to 4 p.m., uh, actually a little later than that. I think it's like 2 to 5 p.m. It's all afternoon. Uh, we'll be live on all the social media networks. We, are all, we always are broadcasting live. It's going to be a very big show. We're going to have uh, some selectmen from down there. Uh, Jim Bogasani, who was one of the leaders of cannabis legalization in the state. I've been working with him all across the state trying to get uh, these places open. We were just working together in Haverhill. Uh, so I'm really excited to see Jim. We also have some uh, a uh, uh, someone who works with the Mass Municipal Association. So, you know, it may, may get interesting. Uh, we're hoping to break more news and, and reveal more. Uh, so definitely make sure you watch that. Wednesday, July 10th, 2 p.m. Uh, we're going to be in, in Wareham, Wareham, Massachusetts, which is part of the Cape. So we're entering a red state. 
<laughs> <laughs> we're outside of our comfort zone, the Boston area that we love, where we're where we feel fairly safe with our cannabis. But uh, we'll, I think we'll be good and wear them. We'll see what happens. Wednesday, July 10th, 2 p.m. We'll see you there. And if you can't go, don't worry about it. We'd rather have you watch it online. Watch us wherever you're at. You don't even have to come down to this. Don't come. Yeah, we don't even care if you come. But what we like is when you watch it. When you watch it online, uh, that's what we like. So why don't you watch it like you always do and share it with your friends. And uh, review us on iTunes, The Young Jerks. And make sure you're following us on Twitter, at The Young Jerks. You know, give us all the support you can. Because that's what, that's what we need. That's all we need. People are offering us other things. And we're like, no, we just need you to share this and invite your friends and tell them about it. Tell them about the show that they should stick around and listen to us. All right, I'm done. <laughs> that's my pitch this week, though. You don't even have to come, right? Yeah, no, no, don't come. <laughs> Just watch it online. All right. We're out of here. I'm Mike Crawford. I want to thank our guests, our callers, our listeners. Uh, I want to thank Dick Boston again. We're out of here. Mike Crawford signing off. We'll see you July 10th on the Internet, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram. We'll see you soon. Bye. Every day, their life's here to help you live a higher quality of life. The massive product selection at their Wareham dispensary features superior quality flour, vapes, edibles, and more, all derived from locally sourced growers. Experience unparalleled customer service from experts whose knowledge will help you become smarter about your options. Located 10 minutes from the Bourne Bridge, make Verilife Wareham your last stop on the way to the Cape. Reserve an order through Leafly and you'll be on your way in no time. Open seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. The good vibes start at Verilife. Hi, it's Mike Crawford, and I'm inviting you to a free special broadcast episode of The Young Jerks Live from Verilife, Wareham, on July 10th. We'll be talking about cannabis on the Cape with local advocates and hopefully some elected officials, as well as feature and product reviews and a video tour of the Verilife dispensary. Please join us. It's happening Wednesday, July 10th. We hope to see you there. Every day, Their Life's here to help you live a higher quality of life. The massive product selection at their Wareham dispensary features superior quality flour, vapes, edibles, and more, all derived from locally sourced growers. Experience unparalleled customer service from experts whose knowledge will help you become smarter about your options. Located 10 minutes from the Bourne Bridge, make Their Life Wareham your last stop on the way to the Cape. Reserve an order through Leafly, and you'll be on your way in no time. Open seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. The good vibes start at Verilife.